Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just a magnet. Yeah, just a magnet. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there, grunting. Yeah. And then I'll step like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like and he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at 140 in the afternoon back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yards shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you killed that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass called me one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops for sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. All right, welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes. I haven't said that for like two episodes. Super depressing. 
we're coming icicles in your ear holes right now though <laughs> negative 10 in the video mode my garage has got to be like 30 the breath is intense out here but uh Homie, you're looking nice and comfy over there. I am. I'm actually, you know, like them decoration pillows that your wife's gift that nobody ever uses, and they're on the yeah. bed. They're like two of them take up a king size bed. It's under my ass right now, and I'm sitting on the floor. <laughs> Everything's on my kids' PJ mask table. It's yeah, pretty you, sick. You gotta, you gotta get your ass a little higher to get the video. <laughs> yeah, you get well, the down shot. Yeah. I don't want to sit around on the couch behind me because then it'd be just a wall right there. So I'm trying to yeah, get, trying to get yeah. some depth here. <laughs> Got to get your arms in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What we got? Uh, we got Mike setting in. Uh, awesome. He's going to set in for the intro. And then we're going to get right into some shed hunting talk. So, what's up, Mike? What's up, buddy? How you guys doing? Doing good, man. Is this your first Zoom call, dude? Yeah, it is. Besides work, <laughs> dude, I, this is my I first, like, like it. Fun, this is my first fun Zoom call. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of like it. We just started it to you know to get the video content, but it's nice to be able to see you. All right, well, let's get into the people that make this possible. Uh, homie, let's start off with, uh, do you have that suicide hotline prevention number? No, I don't, and, and we're on this uh, call here, so I can't I can't click off. Oh, and, God, all right, well, we got to get that jotted down. But, I know, I do. I need um, to get that permanently on this program here. Well, we can definitely do a shout out for Mike down there, man. Huge respect for what you do. Um, you're going to be our uh, military, active military shout out for this episode. Dude's in the game, hardcore, doing the real shit that he can't even talk about. So huge respect to you, man. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have last breath? Yeah. This week for Last Breath, they are going to be launching a new series on their YouTube channel. It is going to be called Shed Kings. And this YouTube series is going to be going over um, some really big antlers that people have picked up. And not only are they going to go into the story about the history of the deer, but they're um, also going to go into like the location, um, any history they had with the deer. So they're going to be able to go in depth of how and why they... Um, luckily come across that shed so it's gonna be a super cool series that they're gonna to put together here and it's gonna run for uh quite a while so um be looking for that i think the first episode is gonna to drop tomorrow thursday night at seven on their youtube channel so uh if you're not doing anything be sure to check that out yeah they just released the podcast kind of uh the first first guy i think he, that's the first episode is potentially matt so we'll see but um Definitely a good episode. Shed sheds is what's on everybody's mind right now. So that's why we're doing a, a shed episode. And we wanted to get Mike on. He said it's been two years since we podcasted. Hell, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. But uh cool to be able to chit chat. We talked on the phone a couple times, but it's cool to be able to get back together and, and record. So I'm gonna hit uh Exodus. This week's trail cam tip of the week. I'm gonna do something crazy this year. I'm gonna run a trail cam for turkeys. So you know that field back there where we had, where we should have had the, the uh, reaper but didn't have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna run a mobile back there in that corner, and see when those bird, if those birds are flying down in that field every morning, or if that was just a fluke because we didn't hear them there the first two or three days. So I don't know if it was just the wind. I mean that that's pretty far away from where we're hunting. So I don't know if it was just the wind wasn't blowing or they weren't vocal, but. 
be cool to have a mobile out there to be able to like, okay, they are flying down. And I've never used a trail cam for anything turkey related. So be be nice. I can drive all the way out there and just stake the sucker down and run a mobile and be like, okay, there's no turkeys out here. So we know. Yeah. Have you ever done that, Mike? Yeah, I have, man. You know, we did it, uh, me and my buddy did it last year and it might be a little bit more frustrating than deer hunting with, with mobile cameras, man. I'll tell you that. It, yeah. It's frustrating. You'll find out it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping there shouldn't be anything planted in there. I mean, nothing up, you know, sprouted. So I'm gonna put that sucker right in the field and hopefully I don't get 78,000 blanks, but we'll, we'll see. If you're putting it out, uh, there's a good chance it's going to be 78 million blanks, bro. <laughs> yeah. And then I, <laughs> and then the freaking tractor disc could probably take it out or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's going to happen. Just put it on a bush, man. You guys. Be there right. you go. Yeah, it's yeah. Problem solved. The bush came for turkeys. Get a double beard oh, yeah. out there. Yeah, I'm going to put it up super high and try to get pictures of them roosting. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, take the get mobile set up out, get up there hang a cam be yeah. set get you about six long wolf steps and get up there man and yeah yeah know exactly go. when they're there be like oh they're roosted here we're ready to go that's yep. the next level tip right there <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes whatever it takes yeah. all right uh speaking of next level uh next level deer supplements they're gonna be at the iowa deer classic they're gonna take the drive down they're gonna have a booth set up so if you're in Illinois and Iowa and you want to meet the guys or look at the product that we've been talking about, um, here's your chance to be a lot closer and actually get your hands on the product and see what it's about. And we are also going to be there Saturday, uh, March 6th, hanging out with them guys at the booth. So if you're listening to this and you're from my and you want to come by and say hi, um, we'll be there and uh, we'll be uh, hanging out with them guys. Like we say all the time, we've known those guys forever, but we've never met them. At least we've met Mike once, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, we've never met them, and we've talked to them for two, two and a half years, and I feel like I know them really good, but never met the guys. So I'm excited yeah. to go up there and uh, actually meet Nate and Scott and uh, stay in their Airbnb and show them how Illinois guys, you know, get down. <laughs> Mike knows what's up with that. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike knows a little bit about that. Last time we were with Mike, we almost got shot and stabbed. And all <laughs> you know, you know, you know, I was going to prevent that. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. we were. All, that was a that was a different level. I'm not. I'm not going there. I don't think I can recover from that again. <laughs> if you're right. having, if you're having flashbacks from the ATA show. And we're doing it right, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, last but not uh, not least, we're going to cover Underwarmer. Um, that's the new uh, new new product that's coming out to the hunting industry that wanted to get some ads out for you guys to hear. Um, what it is is it's a it's a one piece light, basically like a a fitted shirt, um, and it's got six hand warmers in it. And uh, I would definitely like to have it for at work at night. Um, it's something kind of cool. They've been out for a while, but they're wanting to hit the industry, hunting industry now. Um, it's good for 12 hours. You can seal it back up, and they're pretty reasonable. So if a guy had a really late-season hunt that he wanted to set all day and try to get on a buck on a food source or something, um, it would definitely be worth it in my mind. Um, kind of a product that I didn't even know existed until they wanted to read some ads. So 
cool to be able to get it out there. Um, you can check that out at underwarmer.com. All right, you guys ready to rip? Let's do it. All right. Well, we got Mike on, as you guys see. Um, he runs Harvest Time. We'll talk about that a little bit at the, the end, but we're gonna just we're gonna do a shed hunting um, topic today. I got some questions wrote down. A lot of it's kind of for my information, really stuff that I I took notes on uh, two years ago. I really broke down my shed hunting uh, a lot, and that was when I found the most I found the most sheds and the biggest sheds. Um, so it was a good year to actually. That's when I found all the stuff on John's. So, the piece that we had leased. So I found the 80 inch. I found like the 160 match set. I found the seven point clean side. I found some like a lot of big sheds that year. So I jotted down a lot of information from that season. So I want to see how it coincides with uh, what you got going on. But first, just give, you know, you've been two years. So give the listeners a quick intro of who you are. All right, man. So I'm Mike Lemansky, uh, 32 years old. Um, as you guys said at the beginning there, I'm active duty uh, U.S. Army. Uh, just hit 12 years on the 3rd of February, so I've been grinding for 12 years at that and uh, still making time to uh, to chase my passion, which is hunting big whitetails, man, all over the United States. Right on, man. Like I said, huge respect for you for what you've done and all the – you know, you just told us a little bit of fraction of the shit. I'm like, dude, this guy is a hard ass. <laughs> you know, we don't even know the true story. And you for the got people that are watching this, I swear that I'm not vaping over here. Because every time it comes back to my video, I'm like, these guys just think I took a big hit off of vape. And over here going, <laughs> <laughs> There's no vape. It's just cold as shit in here. That's it. So Why aren't you cranking the no, heater? I, you had plenty of time to run yeah, the heater a little bit. I got the heater ripping over here, dude. It's ripping right here. Right yeah, right. I, I talked to you before and it looked like you were sitting outside and it was about negative 20 degrees out there. It's, it's warmer in here. I got a lot of clothes on right now. I got like, yeah. this is what I'm wearing to work. I'll throw a jacket on and good for negative 10. So, I know you've been, uh, I know you've been working out, but you're looking a little thick right now with all them clothes on. Yeah. It's just all the clothes, <laughs> man. I got like six layers on top, but, uh, so first question, and this is like, it's, it's, it's like the, the standard, like, how good of a shed hunter is this guy, you know? But per state, like, we can't – Illinois, Missouri, you know, Kentucky, Ohio, I don't think we can compete with, like, Nebraska, you know, Kansas. western Kansas, shit like that where those deer get down in the river bottom and you can find 60, 70 sheds mm. and they're all they're all herded up in a giant, you know, and then you got mule deer too. It's just – it's a different a – different run so i'm normally between 12 to 18 sheds a year and i feel like that's a lot for me but what are, what do you know me around mike I, i'm in that 25 to 35 a year um you know as you guys have seen as i told you in the past man you know like shed hunting for me is it's it's a family activity that we do so it's me and my wife my two kids and my dog um we get out there and we you know get online we walk through Timber walk through uh, fields and, you know, find as many as we can. And then, you know, we do a lot of spotting from the road. Uh, we did that all day today. It came up unsuccessful, but we got, you know, six inches of snow yesterday. But, yeah, man, so 25, 35, um, I, I think 36 is the most I ever found in a year. But uh, this year we're, we're, shooting for, we're shooting for 50 this year. Yeah, you're already off to a great start. So, but yeah, that, you know, 35, 36, that's, 
that's a couple of my years combined. So that's, yeah. that's really good. And I feel like I put on an ass load of miles. I won oh, yeah. a lot. I haven't been able yeah. to this year, which I was talking to my buddy, Nick Brown. And I told him, I said, you know what? It's probably good. Cause about the time that I should be making my second pass, I'm getting burned out on a lot of pieces. Cause I've already walked them once or twice and I'm thinking, shit, I'm probably not going to find anything. And now yeah. I normally would already have my first walks already done and picked up, you know, the first 10, 15% that are dropped. So there might be some more chewed, but I think I'm going to find more sheds this year just because of the fact that I'm waiting. I have to wait because of the weather. And I mean, we got like 10 inches of drifting snow, right. negative 10. So this weekend will be like the first decent day, but you're still going to have all that snow. Yeah. But I've been so, taking some drives and I know where the deer are herding up. Um, the west side of the public land, homie, was loaded tonight. Really? Yeah, probably 40, 35 or 40 deer. And that thing is a ghost town after September 20th. Yeah. So, you know where all those summer bucks were? I'm thinking somewhere in between where we're getting those summer pictures and that field is where those sheds are going to be. So that narrows it down pretty freaking tight. Huh. So that's that's one thing I want to say, just a tip before we get in-depth. And I, I will see if this collates with you, but I find a lot of my sheds where we I see bucks in in summer. So those summer bucks go back to their their fall, their late winter range and they drop their antlers. So a lot of people are hunting for sheds where they're hunting in the rut and they're they not finding a lot, you know. But I go to where we get the pictures in the summer. And that's where I find the sheds. So is that kind of the same thing you do? Yeah, man. So one thing you got to think about. So, you know, you put all these cameras out during the summertime and you get all these big bucks in velvet. You get big bags for groups of big bucks in velvet. And you're like, oh, man, this is so awesome. Two weeks before season, where they go? They disappear. You know, I feel like, oh, man, you know, this buck disappeared, this buck. And then you might get a glimpse of them during the rut. But, you know, that I mean, that's their that's their area. And then they push out to their fall territories once they shed their velvet. And then they push out to their, you know, where they cruise in a rut, which could be, I mean, you guys have seen it. I've seen it up to five, six, seven, eight miles. You know, like you guys had a big buck this year that was moving a bunch of ground a day during the rut. Yeah, like three miles probably. Three yeah. miles a day. A day, yeah. right? Was he there in the summertime? I mean, he could have yeah. been, but. It, was he living on there where you've seen him all, all the time? So no. a lot of guys, you know, they focus in on that, those early summer pictures, and then they, they hunt those places in the rut, and they don't see the deer that, you know, that, that they were seeing during the summertime. So what I do, just like you said, man, you see those bucks during, during the summertime in velvet, you see those big bachelor groups, and then it's weird when you come back around this time of year and you start scouting those fields, looking at those fields, and you're seeing some of those bucks or – you know, different new bucks because they're on the food sources, right? Because that's what you're, that's what you're looking at in the summertime. It's where you put a majority of your cameras and some of you, I mean, you're not really focusing too much on the woods at that point. You're, you're watching those bucks in bean fields, on the edge of cornfields, runways to and from bedding and cover and food. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm the same way, man. I find a lot of my sheds, you know, where I see a lot of bucks. Is it the same bucks? Sometimes it is. Most of the time it's not, but I'm finding a lot of those sheds in you know, where I'm seeing them in the summertime. Yeah. I mean, we got, we had a one piece of public, we had a 200 inch typical clean typical that 
could possibly be sheds out there. And then we got West side that could possibly have sheds out there. So it's definitely some motivation to, to yeah. uh, but there's not a lot. That grassy thing. area in between there. Yeah. You know, I'm talking homie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where we had the ca- high camera way up high from those beans right oh, there. Yeah. 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 Right on the ridge to where we were getting the pictures in yeah. between there. That's only like three to 400 yards. Right. And so, it's when you get the back angle, when you're coming out from where we can hunt and you look up to the north there, that's when you, I think you really get a good perspective of how short that actually is. Because when you look at it on a yeah. map, you're like, holy shit, like they're going from here to here to here. But it, when you're out there actually walking and you look up there, you're like, shit, that ain't nothing for a deer. Yeah. So I think where we went back in there on that crap hunt and carried everything around and didn't hang anything. <laughs> yeah. We need to hit that pretty hard for sheds and then work north up towards that field. Um, right when this snow comes off, you know, or, or gets a little, little less, but. Hey, all right. Well, uh, thing you need to, you take, need to take into account is, you know, you, you get a lot of those bucks in the summertime on, on camera. And then maybe, like I said, maybe you'll get a couple of them during the rudder during once season comes in. But as a big buck grows older, his core area shrinks. You know what I mean? Like a lot of them big bucks, like that buck I hunted all year, number two, like besides a couple weeks or a month or so in the summertime, he didn't, he didn't get away from his, his area. You know what I mean? So if you're, if you're on a big buck and you've been on a big buck, a big old mature buck, I'm talking maybe five plus six plus those bucks, they're generally not going to go too far because it's almost as they're getting comfortable. I've heard Bill Winky say it and a bunch of other guys say it, you know, those older bucks sometimes are easier to kill. In my case, not so much as you guys saw, as you saw this year, but as they, as they get older, their home core shrinks and they stay to what they're comfortable with where they've been for six plus years. And, you know, they've been, they've been concealed. They've had the food, they've had the cover and they know where to get out if they need to get out. And, you know, they, they tend to stay in those areas. So I'll be heading up to my farm in Illinois here and hopefully next three, four weeks, depending on what you guys tell me intel wise on the snow drifts and stuff like that. But, um, just to see if that's true, because every time I've, I've got that deer's picture or seen him, he's been within, I'll say 200 yards of where I think he's living. And, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see if that's, if that's true come shed season, but. Yeah, man, I, I really believe that. As a big bug grows older, his core area shrinks, and he, he's not going to stir too far because he knows it works. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Kind of one of those mentalities, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, well, getting back into the questions here, um, it's, this is kind of maybe hard to do. I know you walk an ass load and hunt a different, lot of different areas, but if you could have a roundabout number, how many acres do you think that you shed hunt cover-wise? <laughs> Um, well, I do, I shed hunt a lot of private and, you know, when I get that early season, itch, like the past month, you know, if you got an itch, you got to scratch it. So you got to get out and try to put some miles on, see if you got any early droppers, but that's always usually done on public land. Um, so we'll say private between 800 and a thousand acres that I, that I walk strictly looking for sheds and that I hunt as well. But uh, public man, there's, there's really no telling. Cause if I see, if I see a, you know, a patch of green on a map and it's public land, 
this time of year, I'm probably going to walk it. Probably just see what's around, see if I can find a bonus shed or two of a place I haven't been or, you know, maybe looking for that next fall because this is, this is my favorite time to scout is right now. So Yeah, that's something I feel like a lot of people leave out too. They're out there shed hunting, but, I mean, if I just don't like to go when there's snow on the ground because you just can't see – you can't see the scrapes. You can't see the heavy trails from the fall because you're not looking for shit right now. You're right. looking for old signs. So that's my favorite time to scout too is when you get, you know, there's no snow. You go out there, you're like, shit, here's a bunch of rubs. Here's some scrapes. You know, here's some trails connecting. You kind of put put the pieces together. And then another thing I like to do that time of year, when you're shed hunting, if you're covering an ass load of ground, uh, mark those stands where those guys are hunting. Yeah. Mark the stand location. Be like, okay, it, it, whether you mark it on a map or you mark it on your phone or what in your head, just be like, okay, there's a stand set over here. You're supposed to take down your stands in Illinois. Yeah. We don't have any stands up to be packing thing, but I would say 75% of people leave their stands up all year round. That's too all much public around here. It's too much work. Take them down, yeah. put them back. So the kind of caveat, what you just said was, this time of year, yeah, it's definitely hard to see those fall, you know, movement areas where deer are moving from bed to cover, food, whatever. I mean, you guys know, just like I know, the rut, I mean, it's so sporadic. You can't – a lot of guys hate hunting the rut because of that, because of that. You know, there, there's bucks moving all over the place. But you can kind of map out kind of what the deer are doing this time of year. So, you know, late season – I like, I love hunting late season because, you know, deer are not better too far from, from food. Um, a lot of times I see like in Illinois on my farm up there is those deer are bedded between 50 and 75 yards, like at most a hundred yards away from food. So, I mean, you can see all that mapped out, but, uh, on public, absolutely, man, map, map down those, uh, you know, where you're seeing stands, where you're seeing, you know, trail camera stuff like that. And I mean, all of us know you can look at a spot and be like, deer use this it's not just right now they use this they have to use this and go ahead and plot points in your phone then but yeah man for sure i mean this time of year with snow on the ground is tough because you're seeing a lot of you're seeing deer desperate deer that are moving to food because they need food because they're so stressed out from this weather like what you guys have right now in illinois i'm in tennessee and this morning it was eight degrees and we got like six inches of snow you know what i mean that's going to stress the hell out of a deer you know, in the South, I can, I kind of consider this Midwest, you know, I'm right on the edge of Kentucky. I'm a Western port of Tennessee and Kentucky. I'm only about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour away from Southern Illinois, but I mean, it's a stressing deer out and they're in panic mode. So they're going to go kind of where they need to go, get their, the direct route to where they need to go to get food, sleep, cover, all of that. And you know, that that's what they're doing right now, but definitely what you're saying, man, when that snow goes away, you can see it, you can see you know, ground scrapes, you can see rub lines, you can see trails, you can see it all. It's like mapped out for you. Yeah. You got anything yeah. to add on that, homie? I know that that's trying to – a huge, you know, goal of yours is <clears throat> to get out there and scout more this time of year. So Yeah, I think with the public lands being, you know, typically very large compared to, you know, a normal 80-acre piece is you're, you almost need to break it down into different trips – 
um, you know, one trip you want to focus on this area. I don't know how many times we go out there and, you know, we're like, all right, we're going to go here. And then, oh, you see some sign and you follow it back and you bump a deer. So you're like, oh, let's go over there. Look at that. And the next thing you know, you, you're used up your four hours that you woke up early to, you know, now you got to go home and take care of the kids or whatever. Then you didn't even get to where you want to go. So I think having a plan and prioritizing, uh, you know, if you're going to have to make multiple trips out there and, um, you know, if, if you want to go in and scout or just go in and looking for sheds, um, just prioritize kind of where you want to go and what you expect to do when you're in there. Yep. Yeah, that's a good tip. We we get pretty sidetracked. Absolutely. The, the, every the, time. What's, what's over the next hill gets us oh. every time. I'm like, one more hill. One more hill every time. I'm a sucker for that. So uh, here's a question that I don't think a lot of people talk about. Um this is when I said that I jotted down that whole season uh, took, you know, an average of my numbers and stuff. So Mike, how many miles per shed do you think that if you could do the math on average? So not like you go out, you find three sheds one day, but like before you covered three days of no sheds. So when I did mine two years ago, I was 3.9 miles a shed. So, I mean, that's pretty piss poor, I think. You know, I walked yeah. a lot with no sheds. So Yeah, but you gotta you gotta take into factor what you're walking, you know, your your buck density, not just your deer density in that area, you know. Um man, that's tough, dude. Putting me on the spot like that. Uh, I would say, dude, I mean I think the best we did last year um as a family, we walked five six miles we found four sheds so you know for the mathematicians out there go ahead and break that down but yeah um i don't know i don't know if you could i mean you can put a number on it i don't know if you could put an average on it meaning um depends that you know the the terrain or not the terrain but the ground you're walking i'm talking deer density i'm talking buck to doe ratio stuff like that but uh i mean we we all know especially if you're a shed hunter, man, I mean, you, you got to grind it out. You could walk 15 miles in one day and not find a single shed. Like today we just drove around. We didn't, we didn't get out and walk. It was cold, had the kids, had the dog. And uh, we we're just out glassing, looking for sheds, you know, um, that's another tactic I like to use. I spotting scope or binoculars and, you know, hit real big ag sources and, you know, look out around 300 acres, two, 300 acres as much as you can with binoculars and, I mean, if, if I were to put that in distance, I mean, probably walk 10 miles and I'll find an enemy. You know what I mean? Um, it's one of them things you can't get discouraged. You just got to put your head down, keep, keep moving forward, keep looking. But, uh, I mean, you can, hell, you can walk a hundred miles and I'll find a shed if you're looking in the wrong spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, there was one day that year that I found six sheds in the same day and maybe two and a half miles. And it's still yep. equal 3.8, 3.9 miles. So yeah. there was a lot of days where a seven-mile day, no sheds. I mean, what did we cover up when we went out on Snake Den? I mean, nine-something? Yeah. Or we went out on public? And yeah. that was just, you know, but that was all before noon. Yeah, and no sheds. So you got a 10-mile day there, no sheds. Right. So I averaged it out just how many miles I walked, how many sheds I found, you know. And it was like 3.9 miles. So – I just wanted to put that out there. I feel like a lot of people go out, they walk a couple miles, they get discouraged, but literally the next hundred yards can have a match set. And then you could hit a bedding area where there's two or 
three singles. I mean, it just there's no there's, there's no like it's not like a betting like I'm gonna go to my betting and drop these. So they don't they just drop them. You know, they don't they don't have a choice. They're just like, oh shit, you know, it fell off. So <laughs> yeah, you can have tactics, but it shit can change it in a second. It's like anything else you do, man. Tactics tactics will only take you so far. You know what I mean? It's it's not you can't put I mean, as he just said, I mean you got you put in three miles on six sheds. What's that? You know, if you go yeah. average, if you go average distance wise on shed count, if you walk three miles, found six shed, well hell, that's a shed every two miles or two sheds every two miles. You yeah. know what I mean? Or you can yeah. go 50, 20 miles, not find a damn thing. So mm-hmm. I mean a lot of people get discouraged. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my wife under the bus right now and she's probably listening to me, but she'll walk. I mean, she's been walking right now me this whole year and I'm finding them. She's not. She's like, oh, I just can't find a shed. I can't find a shed. You know, she found a bunch or a few last year. And it's it's not about that. You just gotta be walking in the right place at the right time. Have the right I said. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing, man, that you can you can walk and I probably walk past sheds every year, but you got to pick something that you're looking for. And I always look for curve and color. If I see something off color, I'm like, okay, I got to check that out. If I'm blasting and I see something with a weird curve, I'm like, probably a stick, but I need to get a hundred yards closer and check it. But I'm always looking for color and curve. That's my two things. And a lot of people, they got different ideas. They're looking for tines or they're looking for, like the white tips. I'm just like, there's not a lot of things that are light, light brown in no. the timber it, during That's this a, time of year, you know? A lot, so a lot of people get, they get tunnel vision on color. Well, if you got a deer that, you know, feeds in open food sources all the time, you got a deer that lives in a cedar thicket, their antlers yeah. are going to be different color. Yeah. They're always going to be a different color. This is what I look for right here. You see that, that weird curve right there? Yeah, that's what I look for. I mean, if he if his times are sticking straight up and it's a no doubter, then yeah, there you go. But I, I look for that curve in the main beam. Now a lot of bucks don't have main beams. I drop their antlers. I got that. Then I just got to get a little closer. But color color kind of throws people off, whether it's sunny or it's overcast. Because on a sunny day, a white antler is going to be freaking bright and probably pretty hard to see because of the way the sun's contrasting on the leaves. You know what I mean? And then, you know, in the dark, dark areas, it might be hard to f- find a dark antler. So you got to find out what works for you. I know a lot of people take a shed out there, an old shed with them. They throw it out, you know, and look at it, just kind of key their eyes in on what they're looking for. I mean, I, I've done that before. I don't do that anymore, but. Um, I do that a lot. If I find one and I'm carrying it around, I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. Look at sure. it. You know, if I'm like in it's ag and I'm switching to grass, I'll check it out just to get kind of a reference but uh i i like cloudy days personally i feel like i can see better in the timber um cloudy kind of wet days seems like the antlers kind of have like almost a glisten with the water on them i found a lot of them when they're kind of wet like that right yeah they pop and then another thing like how you said you're looking for the white on the pedicle of the antler when it's wet like that that turns into like a yellow color even if it has blood on one the other day the night after an ice storm and there was blood on the pedicle but it was yellow the blood was kind of fainted but if you were looking for that white you would never would have saw it yeah we found remember we found uh that one buck side homie that had like this much of a skull on it 
Yeah. yeah. So people are like, look for a white pedicle. Hell, it had this much of, you know, brownish gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you never, you never would have seen that. And it was a dark colored antler in a dark field. We just were yeah. close to it. And we had actually yeah. walked a hundred yards from it on the other side and circled around and had seen it. But, uh, just it, like I said, it, the more you do it, the easier it is to find. And yeah. you just gotta get in your mind that you're looking for something like, and like I said, I do color and curvature and that's, yeah. it sticks with me. Cause there's not a lot of things that have that, that curve in, in the woods and most right. of the times are curved. So it's like, like it's almost like trying, it's almost like trying to spot a deer in the woods and you're looking for that hard line in its back. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. that you got a, you know, East West running line in the woods if it's not a deer. So that I'm, I'm the same way, man. You get that, you know, that curve of that main beam and sometimes color, if that works for you, sometimes color, but them, them cloudy days, man, those are, those are days you can see them real well. All right. So next question here, um, you're kind of hunting multiple different States. I just shed hunting and I've done quite a bit, Missouri, a little bit in Iowa, but mostly all Illinois. So I'd be interesting to see kind of what, your uh your answers are to this but your top three places that you find sheds if you can name three places that you're finding the majority of your sheds where, where would that be so my number one would be a transition area to food especially this time of year like i touched back on it earlier is these deer are not betting far out to food source especially when you have this shitty winter condi- or winter conditions you know what i mean you got cold blowing south side of a hill. I mean, if you got north wind, south side of the hill is always real well. Um, but these deer are not, they're not far from food right now. Um, that's their fuel. Like, you know, we hit the gas station for a fuel in our vehicles. These deer hit the, you know, hit the beans, especially the gas beans or uh, even cut crops or browse. Um, they're not far from it. So I, I really hit those, those staging transition areas. Um, you know, we kind of call them staging areas during the early season, uh, October and stuff like that. So, um, it's, they're not far off, off of food right now. Second, obviously bedding area. I've actually never found a shed in a bed. I've never found a shed in a bed. Uh, hopefully this year we'll change that. But, um, yeah, I mean, going into bedding areas, usually super thick, you know, thickets, little poplar thickets, stuff like that. Cedar thickets is one of my favorite places to look, you know, because it holds all that heat in, especially if you got a, you know, harsh winter like we got right now. Um, I think a majority of ours we found in transition areas, then cedar thickets, and then what I would consider a bedding area going in or out. Like I said, never found something in a bedding area, but in and out of bedding cover. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you usually find, you'll find a few here and there, in the actual food. Um, but I feel, I feel like I find more in the woods in those transition areas. Um, I think I found one on food this year and I saw it from the road. I saw it from like three, 400 yards out of binoculars, walked up on it to get a closer look and you know, it was laying there, but I mainly, I mainly focus on those transitions. Yes. I, I listened to a couple, you know, podcasts about sheds and then, a lot of people say that transition zone and what in my mind, that's where I find probably 90% of mine within 75 yards of the food. Yep. And the best, the best 
areas that I shed hunt are where they have a, where the farmer got pissed at all the trees and he leaves like a 10 foot patch where he doesn't plant because he can't get his combine close enough, but it's just grass and it's a little taller. And the yep. reason I think that those sheds are there, I think those deer get out of their bedding area, go feed, and then all night they're feeding and then they're bedding and getting that little bitty spot and then they're getting up and they're feeding and then they're going back and bedding. Yeah. And I think when it's cold, in my mind, this is how I imagine it. They go to that little transition area, that little grass strip or buffer. They bed down, they get up, they shake, stretch, and that's when they're dropping their antlers. Yep. They're going out there and feeding. And a buck might do that three or four times a night. You know, yeah. feed for two hours, go chew its cud. Feed for two hours. Hey, during the daytime. Yeah. And I think that's where I find 90% of mine is right there in that buffer um, I have never found a shed in a bed before either. Um, one one thing that's kind of a, a tactic I do if there is any type of snow is I found them just following trails in the snow. If you don't know the area and you ain't really tuned on what you got going on, get on a heavy trail. One of the biggest sheds I've ever seen found in 93 inside, my dumb ass said – Okay, I'm going to take this edge of this field because that's the prime. I'm going to send my buddy down this hillside, and he'll walk this just heavy trail. Boom, 93-inch shed. He yep. goes at the bottom of the hill. I found a giant. I'm sprinting down the hill, you know, and Jared Brody's down there hang, holding a nine-point <laughs> nine side, 93 inches. And my dumb ass was like, yeah, you go there, I'll go here. Because I'm thinking I got, the, I got the money up here. but. Yep. You never know where those big ones are, and uh, everybody says fence crossing, creek jumping. I found a few there. One thing yeah. I have noticed on those creek crossings or fence lines, it's a big shed. I don't yeah. think those little bucks have enough momentum weight when they jump to drop a little antler, but I think a big deer got a yep. lot of weight up there. He hits the ground, more momentum. Everyone that I have found, that was on a creek crossing at the bottom of a ravine. 93 yep. inside last year i found a big five or a six side with a split two heavy antler year before that where he hopped out into a field i found probably my biggest four side ever so if they're a big antler i feel like you got a chance on those fence crossings but i've never found a little antler on a fence crossing yeah just, just before we got on here i showed you that that one that's in the 80s right at 80 yeah that was on a creek crossing with a, a gnarly freaking grade. So, you know, he jumped down, you know, I mean, if it's a four point, how much momentum is that going to take to knock that little, th but I mean, a, a big deer, like you said, man, you know, that could force, that could be enough to force. Head. But uh, yeah. So going kind of back on what we said about scouting this time of year is you use all those trails and stuff you're seeing right now going, you know, from, food to bedding to cover you know what whatever whatever's out there in the ground that you're walking like heck yeah man jump on those trails and walk them if if even if you know the property if you don't know the property absolutely i mean that's a freaking roadmap for you but yeah. even if you and if you see a trail with a high traffic trail get on that thing and walk it see where it takes you it could open up the freaking shed paradise you never know you could get into a bedding area where they decide to shake their you know, it's been snowing on them all night. They stand up, shake, lay back down, and there's a freaking ant sitting there. So, yeah, use 
every tool you have to your advantage. All right, we'll kind of finish up on this and then we'll get into, you know, where people can find you. But um, what you hunt public and private, and I got kind of some tactics I use on different, different, you know, if I'm going each one. But what's something, a couple differences that you've found from hunting, you know, public land from private land for sheds? I mean, the obvious one, man, is foot traffic, you know. Uh, so say today it's what's it february 16th 17th somewhere in there 15th i don't know you know you go out to a piece of public and you see boot prints all over the place i mean there's guys out there that shed hunt don't ever think that you're the only one out there looking for ants you know what i mean um if you're out there sometimes you gotta you gotta work you gotta work harder than the rest it's just like deer hunting public land you know like you guys do do you guys set up 200 yards off the road Absolutely not. But that one guy that's like, oh, I'm go out and shed hunt today and see, you know, what I can find. And that, that dude moseys around that 200 yard from the from the road line up and down. Okay, well, is that where a big deer – you got to be where the big deer want to be, not where you think they're going to be or think they, they are. You got to find them. You got to put in work. It's like anything else in this life. You got to put, put in – you got to put in the hard work to get the reward. Nothing comes easy. If it comes easy, well – you need to try something else because it's, it's not reality. You know what I mean? So yeah, you, you get like public ground. I do a lot of glassing. I see where the traffic areas are like today. That's what we did. We, we drove around some public today and I was seeing where there's a lot of foot tracking traffic, these deer moving in and out of, you know, same thing coming, coming out to food. And, you know, I marked those down on my phone and, you know, we'll, we'll visit them here shortly, but, you know, in these kind of weather conditions, I mean, it's it's still snowing right now, so I'm not going to go out there and bump around. But you got to think about the guys that were out there before you. Were they hitting those bedding those bedding areas that you saw in the fall time? You know, if they are, I mean, you listen to Cody DeQuesto. That's his him and his dad's main thing. They go in, they push big bucks out of their bedding areas, and they set up in their bedding areas. Well, this time of year, after on public land, if they've been pressured that hard, are, you, are they going to come back? You don't know. So I just, you, you got a game plan for stuff after that. Where are they going to go from here? You know, where's the next thickest place or the next food that they're going to go seek? Where are they going to go from here? And like we talked about, you know, if there's, if there's snow on the ground right now, you can kind of map that stuff out, get on those trails and walk. And yeah. not only are you looking for sheds as you're looking at new ground, you're seeing a whole different aspect of the ground that you've already hunted. So maybe you didn't push as far in the fall or in the summer last year when you're hunting this public land. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of a win-win. Are you putting on a lot of miles? Hell yeah, you are. You, you are moving your ass off. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's just one thing. I might take it a little harder than other people. I mean, I might just push a little farther. You know, I, I don't really settle. If I'm out there walking that many miles, I'm not going to settle for nothing. So I'm going to figure out something about that ground. But, uh, yeah, man. So just just push as hard as you can, you know. Get get maybe where you haven't seen before because it, it works as a dual purpose. You're shed hunting and you're you know you're scouting, seeing what's on the other side for the, for the next year. Um, private land, private land is a lot different, man. You kind of have an idea, um, but if you if you have a giant chunk of land like our farm in Illinois is is huge, and have I seen all of it? No, because what do you do in Illinois? You don't penetrate the woods more than two hundred yards on private land from a food source. That's, that's like you're setting yourself up for failure. How are you going to get in? How are you going to get out? 
You know what I mean? Those deer bedded, those deer in, in the Midwest, they bed, they bed right off the food sources all the time. Now, late season, they're bedding even closer. So this gives you an opportunity to walk around, see the ground that you're hunting from a different perspective without thinking about, if I go in here now, am I going to mess up tomorrow morning's hunt? Am I going to mess up this evening's hunt? You know what I mean? So it, it works as a dual purpose, man. You, you get intel on spots you've never been before and your shed hunt. But I just try mainly private ground. I try to just this time of year run as much as I can. I'm going to hit the known bedding areas. I'm going to hit the, na- the, the main, you know, travel corridors. And then I'm going to expand my search a little bit. But pro- public land, man, I mean, it's tough. You, you just got to be where, you know, deer, like you said earlier, deer going to drop their antlers where they want to drop their antlers. It's not going to be like, well, he thinks I'm going to drop my antler here. I'm going to drop that son of a bitch right here. That's <laughs> yeah. where it's not like that. I wish it was because I'd be like in the 80s right now. But you just, you know, you, if deer are pressured, especially public land deer, their only sense to pressure is move, get out of there. Like, yeah. you know, it's like if you're living in a bad part of town, you don't want your kids growing up in that, in that area. What are you going to do? You're not going to keep them there. You're going to move them, get the hell out of there and go somewhere else, find somewhere else to go. So you, you just got to expand your search, be deliberate, you know? Well, a couple, couple tips I'm going to add to that. I do believe that, you know, you got to work a little harder out there, just like hunting them. But some, I'm going to regret saying this probably, but I think it'd be very valuable to people that are hunting public land. The two things that I do is if you think about any parking lot anywhere on a public land, there's one way that guys access a a food source or they're going to a bedding area. They're thinking, okay, I'm going to get in this bedding area. I'm going to find the shed. So they're walking one direction. And yep. you could, there's a trail there. Now, what I've done is I'll backdoor that. And I have found more sheds on public backdooring. So, like, here's the parking lot here. I'll walk down 150 yards and go in. And remember when I found that big five shy with Grainer yeah. on video? 35 yards off the road. Yeah. Where no one walks. It's too close to the road. It's not really in a spot where because what was the deer doing? Yeah, he's getting he was getting he's in one of those transition zones going to food, you know what I mean? But everybody's doing the circle this way and then coming yep. back to that trail and walking out, and they're missing that little bitty sliver. Yeah, you know, and this was later in the year. So it's not only good for for maybe hitting an edge or something that people are missing, but it's also good to can I access this way or get out this way, you know, during season? Yeah. So, um, last or two years ago, I found actually I hung it up. I found that side right there, 30 yards in on public. And it was in a spot where there's no parking lot there. So I walked down the road, like half mile and popped in in a spot I wanted to hunt. Um, that came, remember the really thick bedding area where I said all the sign is all the time, homie? Yeah. Where you tried to walk in with a stand on your back and there was no way? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was right on the no hunting, hunting edge right there. So I walked in off the road across from John's, popped in there, pretty much like where we hunted that that one set yep. where that old barn and shit is, yeah. just to the north of there. 
Um, and another thing is, is I don't know how many times that I've got burned where I've walked something and then someone has went in April and walked that and found sheds multiple times. My buddy's like, Oh, I found a shed in this green field. I found a shed in this beans. And I'm like, dude, I walked that like three times. There's no way I missed that shed, but it's just a late dropper. So those spots that you think get pounded heavy, I feel like a lot of people burn out around that April time and guys need to just do one last sweet. I'm going to hit this. I'm yep. going to hit this spot. It's probably been hit five times, but there might be a loner in there that just dropped. Yeah. Um, Jerry Brody's done that to me. Um, Tom did that to me on the other public that we hunt, the big green field going towards the West side. He found three sheds in that green field and I, <laughs> I had walked it multiple times. He found three sheds one day in the I'm, low spot. And I walked that low spot two or three times going back to the other stuff. Yep. And, and it's a lot of people probably walk that, but you get to that point where you're getting close to mushrooms popping and those mushroom hunters are finding those sheds, but he's just making that one last effort to say, Hey, I'm going to hit this bullshit stuff on the edge where a lot of people hunt and they're finding sheds because those bucks are holding late and dropping. So that's two tips that I think have helped me find an extra three or four or five during the year that on public that should have been found by other people. Cause that five sides laying out in the middle of a waterway and it was half buried in water from the snow melt off. It'd been there forever. The dark, the bottom side of it was, you know, really, really dark. It'd been there for a month laying yep. 35 yards off the road. So, and I'd seen multiple people in there shed hunting. So, uh, just something That's, I want to throw. Do you have any tips, homie, that you think someone might overlook or overthink? No, not really. Uh, this is just kind of your guys' uh, forte here. I'm I'm just trying to absorb it as much as everybody listening is. Yeah, I know that's something that you've been getting into the the past couple of years more is shed hunting. So, I always like you know, I'm gonna add I'm, I'm gonna add on to what you said there. This year alone, so we've been walking since like maybe you know the middle of last week of January, and I have found five sheds in places I literally walked last year all the way up until turkey season, I walked probably 10 or 15 times. And there was like, there is no way I walked by this and didn't find it. There's no way I walked by this last year and didn't find it. And two of them look like they're two years old. So that's going back on keying in your eyes, make sure you're looking for the right features, looking, you know, and even going back before turkey season. Cause I mean, you know, just like you guys, man, as soon as turkey season comes on, if I find a shed turkey hunting, that's that's bonus. That's like heck yeah. I wasn't looking. For, I stumbled across it, but man, just keep your eyes open and then don't forget to double check it, man. Come back, search those same same areas. Don't be afraid to go back to the same place like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. <laughs> yeah, you got the time, man. You never numbers, know. Dude. Damn, dude! Like I could have swore I, I know I checked that spot. And then I came back this year, and there it is, just freaking laying yeah, there. Different angle, or you know, the yeah. sunlight's different, or something. I've I've done that multiple yep. times. I found one that was half chewed that its squirrel had drug into a brush pile. Yeah, and that's like I walked past that thing all hunting season for three years, all shed season, <laughs> and then one year I'm like, what the hell? That thing's yep. been like limbs on top of it and stuff. I'm yeah. like, thing's been in there forever. You know what I mean? Dude, but, 
if you remember last year, I found a max set in November, not this last hunting season, the season before I found a max set in November, 20 yards from one of my stands max set with, it was two, it had one bite mark in it. Dang. Just Crazy. like, you got some nice squirrels down there. Dude, squirrels around here don't play. Yeah. <laughs> they do not play. Yeah. Right. Look at this. People think that a big shed can't get all the way chewed. Look at that. That's a big hey, shed. You want, you want me to go grab tiny side I found in October? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll go ahead and uh, show. You got the that one set you just found. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go ahead and show that set. And then me and homie uh, wrap it up and you can show that tiny set at the end. Yeah. So I, I'm going to give a little story about this. So I've been watching these. you know, waiting for him to drop. And there was one good deer in there. And uh, I went there, I think it was, it was last last weekend. And I drove into the spot and they were feeding. It was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They were feeding. And, uh, you know, you always hear stories. You know, oh, man, I watched this deer drop his antlers right in front of my face. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking bullshit, dude. I'm like, cool. And these deer look at me. All of them look at me. All these bucks are feeding. They look at me. And I'm like, all right. Well, let's. I'm like, I'm gonna walk in there. I'm I'm walking in there anyway. It was public land. Didn't really care. I'm walking in there anyway. So I got out, slammed my door. They took a bound, stopped, turned around, looked at me. And I was like, all right. Well, I'm just gonna keep walking. They're like 60, 70 yards from my from my truck. So I start walking at them, and the four little ones bound off in the woods, and the bigger ones still sitting there looking at me. So I'm like, whatever, dude. I'm just gonna keep walking at you. So. He looked at me, looked in the woods, looked back at me, took one bound, and both his freaking antlers fell off. Like, I as soon as his antlers fell off his head, I called FaceTime my wife, and I'm like, "You're you're gonna witness this. This deer just dropped his antlers right in front of my face." And here he is. Back up a little bit. There he is. Got a big old third main beam. That third main beam is sad. I know it's disgusting. There you go. Ah. Yeah. Good deer. Yeah. But he dropped him right in front of my face. Come here, buddy. That's, that just yeah. goes to show you, maybe like like we said, that jar on the big antlers, that more momentum on top of their head. Yeah. That's why I find more big ones on those creek crossings and stuff, you know. All the four yep. ones four ran off, and none, none of them lost it. And then that that deer jarred and dropped both of them. So, yep, just like that big one I got in the garage, man. It was laying in the creeks. He jumped yep. down off that big grade, and it must have been enough momentum to take it off his head. What are you doing? Trying to get that yeah, deer. Go, go ahead and grab that that shed, and uh, we'll me and homie a okay. Here for a second. I shoot up Illinois shed, and I'll grab that river shed. All right. All right. Well, do we have anything that the listeners need to know? Um, are we getting our? Is our YouTube getting switched? Uh, sw switched to what? Oh, the, Monday. Yeah, the video podcast will be coming out on Monday now instead of Sunday, um, and this will also hopefully be the last podcast that Cody and I do separate. Um, this Friday, we're gonna get together and have a normal night of podcasting. So. Um, 
I don't know how we'll run the Zoom setup, if we'll both be in one or if we'll do two different. Not sure exactly. The studio's kind of small to be running more than one camera. So um, we're going to get something figured out and uh, would have a normal-sounding podcast. So I I'm excited to yeah. see that. I don't think I've seen you in person. I was just telling Jesse this today. I don't think I've seen you in person other than for three minutes at the gym on a random Friday I, and the only time I can think that I seen you was probably a late season hunt at the end of December was the last time I seen yeah. you. It's, I mean, I'm on my, this would be my 13th held position and then had COVID for 15 days. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've worked four different or three different States and went travel a bunch and you're, you're in a new spot and I can't go to the gym. We're not hunting. So <laughs> I mean, and we would have got together tonight, but I mean, the stuff that has work has us doing is just bonkers right now. Humans should not have to do that. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's not, it, it's, it's terrible. I could uh, probably, I was, like that. what's that? I said, I could probably relate to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> you, you're on a whole nother level. Yeah. Than what we had going on brother. But I mean, I was, I was telling my wife, I'm like, I'm about like 12 days without a day off. And most of the days were probably average 14 hours 12 13 hour you know what i mean every day so that wears on a guy and then the hour drive each way just like you it's just rough winter because of covid and the railroads bullshit so it'd be nice to get back together in the same room and have a normal podcast have more guests on talk about whitetail shit like we like to do and crack a, just a couple beers with you yeah i drink a uh, yeah the last shit I was drinking was some mango stuff in here. <laughs> Still got a can on the table. I'm like, shit, that must have been, I don't know when that was. Hella good. That shit was fire, though. That shit was fire. <laughs> you need to get back, get back on that ATA fucking 2019 grind, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see this shed. All right, so here's the river shed. So you guys that aren't, aren't watching this on YouTube are missing out. Just listen to it, man. There's the creek crossing shed. Big deer. Got a nice little bonus deal going on. Yeah. Good deer. So coming off that grade, you know, heavy antler. And then if you guys follow me on social media, you've seen a buck called Tiny the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, if you look back in, I went up to my Illinois farm in December, and uh, Mark, the farmer, actually – he was tilling up some ground, doing some brush hogging. He found Tiny's last year, his left side, and I found his right side in October. And, uh, I mean, it's completely chewed up, but, you know, he's missing six inches on his G2s compared to his right side or his left side, probably four inches on his G3 and probably five inches on his G4 and a brow tie. But, I mean, if you can – See that yeah. mass there on his main beam. Compare that to a beer can. Yeah, I mean he's he's an absolute hammer, dude. I measured I measured his his right or his left side. I want to say it was ninety three inches, ninety three and a half. And uh, that'd be the shed in the cover art for this video or the podcast, correct? Yep, yeah. yep. That's that's his left side from this yeah. year or from last yeah, year, and. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, you know, he went downhill big time this year, man. He, he was an eight with two kicks. I mean, he's still an absolute mega 
as an eight point, but you know, it just goes to show you, man, either, you know, maybe a little swing EHD or, uh, I, I did. I, I have no idea because he looks healthy as a horse. He did last year. He didn't drop last year, I think, until March 20th. I think I got a pic- we got a picture of him on the 20th of March last year, both sides, 21st. He dropped. It was within those five days, man. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. He, I mean, he's, he's old. And this is, we usually get all of his, a lot of his pictures after January, all the way up until he drops. And we haven't had a single picture of him since November. So, Maybe when I go up there and, uh, you know, here in about two, three weeks, either find a dead, find an antler, or, you know, just get you'll get a little bit of closure to a deer like that, you know. So, yeah. we'll, we'll see, man, but, um, yeah. You need to slide so, through when you come up here. You're only like two hours from us, man. Yeah, you know, I talked to uh, Garrett the other day. I was driving up, doing a all-nighter driving up to go duck hunting. And I talked to him, and he said him and Grant are talking about, you know, maybe coming down or us meeting up with that man. We all need to meet up. I'm going to bring the whole family up, the dog. We're going to do, uh, you know, like a three, four-day shed hunt. But you you guys know I'm always always up for a, a banger evening. So <laughs> come out, dude. We, we, we have to, man, because, you know, I mean, you guys know, uh, the listeners, they might not. But um, I'm not going to be hunting. I wasn't going to be hunting turkey season i was going to be gone for the next year year and a half and uh, my date got pushed to june so i'll be here through turkey season but i won't be hunting next year probably at all which is that i can't even i mean I've, I've been i've deployed a bunch of times and you know had that and i mean it was rough then but now you know i'm you know me i mean hanging out with you guys meeting you guys meeting everybody else and, you know we been pretty good buddies staying in contact the last two three years and i mean it's it's killing me right now so i, I gotta figure out how i'm gonna deal with that but you know just you know sit, see you guys hang out have families out maybe have fire you know a couple old bush lattes or some some bud heads you know <laughs> <laughs> but oh, um, yeah yeah dude, it's, it's gonna suck it's gonna be brutal i'm gonna be dependent on you guys to be sending me pictures and stuff so no more trail cam pictures for me you gotta send them over because <laughs> Hey, to see, I'm going to see what whitetail looks like. Yeah. Well, like I said, huge respect for you, man. I couldn't imagine, you know, the point away from your family and away from your passion of hunting and you're doing it for guys like us over here that just have the freedom to record a podcast and go hunting whenever you can. So I know we say it a lot on this podcast and, uh, it's deep when we, when we say it, we have, we just have respect for it something that we didn't do and something that you're still doing for us you know so 12 huge years respect to you and what go, and what you got going man but yeah. uh just so you know people can find you follow you on instagram uh and follow your video content where can they find you at uh harvest time outdoors tv on uh youtube yeah i mean you type in harvest time you type in michael mansky and it should come up. And then on Instagram, either Mike Lemansky or Harvest Time Outdoors. I come up for both. But, you know, like like I've always said, it, man, you know, I, I'm doing a job. You guys are doing a job. That's the way I look at it. I don't think of it as, you know, as people put it on a pedestal or whatever they do. Um, it's a job at the end of the day. It's how I support my my family and my hobbies, and my lifestyle, hunting and traveling. I mean, I... I probably do a little bit outside my means. I mean, you know, I got a good family, a good wife that supports it. And, you know, we've been together for six, 
17 years now and uh, married for almost 14. And, you know, it's just, it's the American dream. You know what I mean? You just get out there and do what you love to do and support your family while you're doing that. It's all that matters. So, you know, I appreciate it when you guys say, you know, thanks for your service. You know, I, I hear that a good bit. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I appreciate all the support, but at the end of the day, in my eyes, dude, I'm doing a job just like every other good American. Maybe not. I'm not going to get political, but, <laughs> you know, you're doing a way better job than I am. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. The just shit been, I'm doing is helping someone get their freaking Amazon purchase on time. But you the shit you're doing is one. No, another level. So, no, if you're helping someone, you're, dude, you're helping someone. That's the same thing I do. That's, but well, I appreciate is, boys. Thank you so much for having me on again. And, uh, yeah. We'll do it this soon. This is something I want to throw on. Uh, me and homie are kind of on like a wavelength that's a little different right now for like our lives and shit. And it's hard to explain to people. Um, but one thing I want to add, uh, every podcast, we say do the right thing, but I want to try to get like a life lesson or a saying from each guest that we could kind of put together at the end of the year. So if you could tell the listeners and the viewers one thing that might better them or give them you know, something, something to look forward to in life. What, what do you think? I'm putting you on the spot, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to put you on the spot because you would have had a hell of a time to think about it. And it would have been glorious and it's, oh, not, it's supposed to be raw and real. So I'm going to throw this on every listener. Um, homie, you got to help me remember. Uh, but uh, what, what do you think, man? All right. I'm going to give you a couple so you can write them down. Um, if you're a family guy, if you got family, if you got a wife and kids dependent on you, or, uh, I mean, even a girlfriend or, you know, have your priorities straight. Make sure everything's, you know, you guys are both on the same sheet of music when it comes to your lifestyles and your hobbies and support each other as best you can. You know, your, your support, you get support from other people. It means one thing, you get support from your loved ones, significant other, your wife, your spouse, whatever it is. Um, that's on a whole different level, man. So if, if you are extremely passionate about something like I am for whitetails, my wife, my wife hunts too, but she is always the one to be there, you know, when I'm going to this state or I'm going on this hunt and she's encouraging me. Backlash along with the passion on either side is that's a recipe for disaster. So make sure you're clear there. Um, priorities, man. If you're a single guy, get out there, do it as hard as you can, as long as you can, just get after it. Do everything you freaking can. If you have kids, involve your kids because who comes after you are gone. It's your kids. It's nobody else. Teach them the ways. All right. Don't, don't hog, don't, especially in the hunting fishing lifestyle, don't hog that stuff to yourself, dude. It does nothing for you. Do it as when you're a kid, when you're growing up. But remember how it was passed on to you. Pass it on to your kids. Like my son and my daughter were out here cleaning ducks with me yesterday for an hour and a half. I touched two ducks and I had nine ducks with me. You know what I mean? Pass that on to your kids. Do not leave them out. If you have an opportunity to take somebody else's kids, if you're a single guy, you have somebody an opportunity to take a kid hunting, fishing with your friend, your nephew, your niece, whatever it is, get them out in the woods. Don't be selfish. Don't think about yourself. Get them out, pass on that tradition. Um, just remember your roots, man. That's what it comes down to. You see too many people these days getting away from the roots. 
Um, I grew up on public land in Michigan. I had a lot of private land, but I had a lot of public land with my dad. And as you guys saw, you watched, you know, the video I put out last week. What was the what was the giant part of that video? That was my yeah. dad giving back. Your dad's to such a badass dude. So awesome. <laughs> I'm glad we got to meet him. Yeah. He's awesome. He's just uh man. But get guess where all my roots came from in the hunting and archery industry. And you know, that lifestyle. It came from my dad. So what am I gonna do if I end the road right here? That yeah. name that, and that passion's gonna die. So pass it on, man. Just pass it on. All right, man. I like that a lot. That's something I wanted to add. Um I don't want to have a, uh, a like a devotional podcast, but I feel like those little tidbits that someone can absorb, you might hit someone a year from now that's listening to this, you know? So definitely a value of putting that out there, but we appreciate you coming on, brother. I appreciate it, boys. Man, it's been fun, dude. It's been too damn long, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, All right, well, like always, uh, you know, try to do the right thing, leave a legacy. Start walking, find some sheds, and uh, White to Legacy's out. <laughs>